You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Paula Mathewson. Paula, thanks so much for being with me today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Paula, we're going to talk about your work um, recent and, um, and a number of things. How has the last year been for you? We're talking on November 17th in 2021, so we're in the hopefully post-pandemic stages of the pandemic. Uh, how, how has the last year affected your practice? Um, well, a lot. Uh, most things went long distance, live performances. So many of them were canceled, and they've slowly been coming back. Um, there's been so many losses, of course, but then there's been a lot of perseverance and really beautiful activity through that. So I'm extremely grateful uh, to have um, been able to stay in touch with a number of people, um, and even at times when energy was sagging to sort of feel um, people kind of looking out for each other. So um, it's been a lot of my projects kind of took unusual turns that they wouldn't have otherwise. Um, so it's definitely been a year of unexpected improvisation and unexpected forms of improvisation as well, I'd say. And let's talk about one of those forms, uh, perhaps, which is um, Moon Room Harp, um, an installation that was, um, uh, I mean, presented actually in a number of places, right? Can you, can you tell me a little bit about, about that? Um, sure, yeah, that's a collaboration that's um, kind of combining two separate collaborations that I've had with visual artists, uh, Firat Erdem and Olivia Valentine. And... Um, with both of them, I've sort of been a um, resident kind of composer, sound artist, sound techie person, and um, we're talking about collaborations that have sort of developed over the course of a number of years, especially in the case of my work with Olivia Valentine, who's a textile artist, visual artist, um, and we've been doing a, a, a collaboration called Between Systems and Grounds for about five years. And that is, just to put it like in the most succinct way possible, it is a form of live textile generation that involves also my practice of um, live electronics performance, which uses a lot of room resonance and sort of acoustic-based feedback and customized programs and circuitry to have it so that sound is in some ways informing and manifesting in the fabrics um, that she's weaving, and then those sort of sounds of her weaving get transmitted and sort of affect and impact what I'm doing sound-wise. And a lot of that work was really premised on the idea that we share space and we work together. And so we do these very long durational performances that were anywhere from one to four hours, taking small breaks in between, and uh, usually in pretty different acoustically unique spaces, such as a grain silo uh, at Acre, which is one of the first places that we did that at Acre, um, Acre Wonderful Residency Program in Steuben, Wisconsin. Um, and then, uh, and we've done it at Hambridge and a few other places, and a number of places now. Um, and then uh, with Farat, what I've been working on uh, was sort of uh, being part of uh, his project, the Kite Choir, and which has been really, really beautiful. And part of what I should say too is that we all met in Rome when we we're on a residency together at the American Academy there, and uh, that kind of. <laughs> Uh, we realized that our work uh, kind of spoke to each other in these really, um, like across disciplines in this really beautiful way. And so 
Uh, and those are two very different things. And so Front has built these really amazing instruments. Um, and then I wrote a score for that. Um, and then for Loom Room Harp, are you still with me here? I just want to make sure that I'm not like... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's fine. Go on. <laughs> so, um, so Loom Room Harp was this uh, moment to kind of sort of bring these practices together. Um, and so it was partly too based on this um, so like way of sort of thinking about like how the the harps that um, Surat built for those are these wonderful walking harps, um, which uh, sort of vibrate. Uh, they're kind of these H-framed. Um, I'm doing probably a terrible job describing this, but the idea being that like mm. if you walk out and it's a parapetic, a par- parapetic as a wandering person with this um, harp, uh, then the wind will sort of vibrate the strings on it, and then that will create this very beautiful low resonant sound that is very much extending beyond the walls of the gallery and then sort of out in the world, um, walking through the neighborhoods uh, that this gallery was in. And then uh, for uh, Between Systems and Ground sort of based work that was sort of in that too uh, with Livia was that she... Um, her entire loom, this CompuDobby loom, was installed in the gallery. And so that's fixed and mobile and is kind of this sort of discrete uh, kind of means of, you know, um, of a sort of working with events. But then you also have this accumulation of this fabric. So what we did was set up a way of a number of sort of ways and interfaces. I wrote a bunch of programming that would sort of take audio from the outside and sort of bring it into a network of speakers inside then wrote a program that would take the audio and then render that as these files that Olivia would weave. And then Olivia has microphones on her loom, and those get um, fed to me wherever I am. And then I'm transmitting audio back out to the universe and to that space. And then it's for us doing the same thing. So it becomes this pretty gnarly and rich uh, web of sound and also communication technologies pretty quickly. And, uh, and part of what – oh, sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say, I'm following along, but also there's links here to your website so people can research some of these and, and you get an even clearer picture. But, um, yes. but, but go on. So, yeah, the, the, there's, there's multiple layers here. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, I mean, part of the thing that, you know, and that's part of what this past year has taught us, right, like is that like, there is such importance in, in being in the same space together, but that we will still continue to make sound, make music, make art, make all these things, like no matter what. So... Um, and so as part of the practice that Olivia and I did and uh, with Between Systems and Grounds was to take this sort of premise of being um, in the same room all the time and when we're doing our projects and then just explore that out. Okay, we can't be in the same room together, so what are we going to do? And in that case, we can't fight the latency of um, the streaming technologies we were using. So then that became in essence, a process that then uh, could be incorporated into the audio. So, like, it becomes a delay line. It becomes another means of feedback. It becomes all these other sort of um, ways of sort of playing with the sound processing. And then, uh, and then, so that ended up once that door is opened, <laughs> then like it opens it up to you know, Kai Choir, opens it up to all these other collaborators to come in. And so that's part of what we did for the Room Harp as well. So. Um, a couple times we had a few musicians stream in, for example, Sam Wells from a trumpeter, composer, performer um, based out in Los Angeles right now. Um, Terry Fran also 
uh, composer, performer, and recorder player, supreme improviser as well, like Sam. And um, she was joining us from Montreal. And so um, in all those cases, it sort of became this really interesting moment of not trying to feel like we're all in the same room, which is sort of what so much of these technologies are premised on, right? Like, feel like you're all in the same room. But if you recognize that as an impossibility and sort of then think like, okay, let's make a teleology that's interesting, but everything is going to be different. But that difference is something that would be really interesting musically, sonically, and it doesn't stop us from engaging. Um, What it will make is something really, really interesting to um, think back on, reflect on, listen to later. And uh, also becomes, it's, you know, because I've never done that before too. Like all the improvisation I've done up to this point has been like you're in the same space. In this case, it becomes a really radical form of, uh, it's like the game telephone, except it's just, you know, bouncing through satellites and everything else. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just fascinating, really, this, these, you know, all, all these layers. So um, to, to, to step back and look at, like, the whole, the whole piece of this from the audience's point of view, we're talking about a lot of visuals and, of course, a lot of sound uh, that's happening here and often over long periods of time. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when when an audience is 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 listening, watching, immersed in these things, um, how how do the visuals uh, affect their their listening in, in in a sense, right? Because I mean, in, in their and in, in vice versa, of, of course. And this is part of the the collaboration. But what I'm what I'm wondering is is what do you kind of expect from the audience? Do you expect them to, to listen closer? Do the visuals help them get involved more with the music or, um, or vice versa? You know, how does, how does the combination of all of these layers and it being durational uh, affect your expectations of the audience? Well, I hope that they'll be, you know, I, I hope that the audience will be curious um, because it's a pretty unusual, uh, for us at least, it was a pretty unusual um, way of working. And part of that is, you know, that question of audience, right? Like it becomes a little bit durational in a sense of like, or it's sort of like so contextual, sort of like, and then what does that mean when it's <laughs> live textile, live sound generation? It's sort of like a little bit head scratching. And so it's not like, we quickly removed it out of, out of like, we performed once at, like, a loft in Budapest. It was, like, Olivia and I did, at least, um, where it was, like, okay, we're performing for an audience, and we got to the end of that, and it was, you know, we played for 15, 20 minutes, and everyone clapped at the end, and it was, like, wow, we should really never do that again. <laughs> like, because it just, it, it forces a, it compresses everything in that case. So it makes it into a case where, these long sort of environmental kind of feedback systems and resonances don't have a chance to really sink in. Instead, what happens if, if, like, in that short frame of duration, it made it so that, like, um, so that Olivia was staged in a way and I was reactive. Um, And so taking it out of that framework and just allowing for there to be time, which in some ways is also part of what is trying to be reconciled there. Like, my systems, because, you know, are are a lot of times geared towards being quick and being fast and being responsive, but that's not the case when you're weaving. So like trying to get those two things to speak to each other means that the whole context for how things um, get you know, brought together shifts. And so part of what we did was think about like, okay, well, let's just work and let's keep a door open. And that's part of what we 
you know, part of what we did. And so, like, it's really nice in that sense of, like, feeling sometimes, like, you just kind of get into this zone and people come in, they'll talk to you sometimes, sometimes they won't. And, uh, you know, it's just a really kind of, and, like, there's also very strong kind of social community thing that, that um, at least with Between Systems and Grounds, that we've really structured where, like, we did um, a multi-day performance at Russell House at Wesleyan University, which is where I teach, um, and, you know, we set up cabbage stew to be cooking in the kitchen and then, like, you know, all these sort of things so that when you come in, it feels like you're part of something that, like, where you can hang out and sort of be there and be present for this. But it's not, um, uh, it's not something where, like, you would uh, critique the precise, you know, way that Olivia would drop a bobbin on her phone core or that, like, <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> that does make sense, yeah. Um, and, and And so... Now we're moving into this new phase, and you, you know you've done all these recent projects. Seem to be so busy with collaborations, and and have also worked with this kind of, uh, of course, pandemic environment and the way people are listening and using Zoom and everything. Has has all of this affected how you're going to be making work or collaborating in in 2022 or 23? Has this has this changed the kind of way you imagine audiences uh, perceiving and including these kind of hybrid things in the future, like offline music and other things that people can kind of access as opposed to what, what we all sort of want, which is in-person um, events and, and live events, if that makes sense? Well, yeah, I think, I think things are changing and like, but like what the outcomes of that will be are so, it's so soon to tell. Um, and part of it is that like, I mean, things that I think about, like, for example, I run a laptop ensemble um, called Tomeburst at, at Wesleyan. Um, and there's a thing where like prior to the pandemic, I was like, your laptop is an instrument, your laptop is this interface, it's a thing. you know, like, and we would kind of be very open and, you know, people would write for us, we do arrangements for the group. Um, and student members would write for the so, so let me just, well. let me just stop you for a minute. Yeah, the, the laptop ensemble is mm-hmm. um, is something that you do through Wesleyan and and um, and and and, it, and you work with students there. But as you were saying, yeah, there are different people um, compose for this. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Sorry. So, yeah. so so go on. So so right. The laptop ensemble was a was a way of. Uh, of performing, and um, I just interrupted you to put a frame around that, but but go on. And, and so oh, no, that helps. I, <laughs> please stop me if anything is. Um, but um, it is, you know, this idea of using it as an instrument is this interesting thing, right, like where, okay, so to be on stage and see a bunch of people's laptops and how do you perform, and it brings up all these really interesting questions, right, like in terms of the body and the presence of the laptop. Um now in the pandemic setting where all of a sudden like your laptop is your lifeline to like work, home, everything, but you know, you can't move. So that becomes your window. Um, so the idea that like the laptop gets used in all these like incredibly intimate capacities as well as um, musical, social work, you know, like it's just kind of really exploded that in a way that like, I don't think, um, it was just undeniable because so much of the world has gone gone that way now. Um, but at the same time, there's a question of like, okay, so we had this massive movement towards space of being isolated, being, you know, indoors, being away from people. So now 
you know, people, like I sense that, you know, as people are going out into space and congregating again, there's still a certain amount of wariness. So there's a thing of, like, how do you change the space to change the sociality of things? Because I think there's a lot of, there's still obviously a lot of healing that has to be done. There's still a lot of, like, grieving that has to be done. There's still so much space and time in a way that we have to give um, to working these out, these things out, which may never be worked out fully, but at least we can maybe give some time and thought to that. Yeah, that's that's so true. And, and as those play out much more into the into the future, we'll learn more about that, um, of course. Well, it, it's been great talking with you and, and hearing more about your work. Uh, I want to ask you one more question, which is, what are you reading at the moment? Um, so right now, I literally ducked out of a poetry reading by uh, Danielle Fogel um, to do this interview, and she is an amazing poet, and um, wrote this book called Edges and Fray, which I'm a big fan of. And, uh, and uh, it, it, it's to talk about it in terms of, like, it, it, trans, it goes through all these different, like, there's so much music in it, there's uh, these beautiful photographs of nests in it, and, like, and it's just the way it sort of reads across the pages. Uh, really, really um, just incredible. So that's one thing that, and uh, that's one, one book that I'm very excited about. Yeah. And, Among um, many. <laughs> and you were, and you were, you were going to a poetry reading. So, uh, so I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that and, and thanks for coming out of it. That's a poetry reading in your neighborhood. Are you in, in, in Brooklyn? Is that where you're calling from? I'm calling from Middletown, Connecticut. So um, it is in fact at the same place uh, at Russell House at Wesleyan University, which is one of the places we get between systems and ground. So <laughs> I feel very tied to that space. So it's, it's wonderful to be in there. And it's actually, it's totally packed. It's like wonderful to see this many people here for a poetry reading and people are just so excited to, you know, to hear work and hear people share work again. It's wonderful. Well, I want to thank you so much for talking with me today. It's a pleasure talking about your work and I wish you well with forthcoming mm-hmm. projects. Thank you. Likewise, and thanks for including me in this. I'm really excited for it. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more.